Welcome to the 8 News Show. My name's Andrew, your host for today, and of course, um, I love to have a co-host. So today I'm joined by Robin Jackson-Stegner. Um, did I get that right, you Robin? You did. Hi, Andrew. Thanks for getting my name right. Thank you for um, confirmation, Robin. I'm really, really glad that I was able to do that. Um, everyone, we, um, you, you're probably very familiar now with um, the Jab Injured series and, of course, we do the Friday night series. Um, we're now going to begin. Uh, we're going to begin a new series for the channel, and that's to do with homelessness. Um, of course, everything we talk about here is related to the mandates in Western Australia, or indeed the entire world. But um, we're mostly interested in the people in our community here in WA and the sorts of things that they're experiencing due to this medical tyranny, this government overreach that we're all experiencing. So I'd like to introduce to you my guest for today, Belinda, no last name given. We, um, everyone, as I'm sure you can understand, we, we try to protect people's identities. These people that are coming onto the show are very, very real people with very real stories, but of course... In this age of censorship um, and, again, government overreach, we have to protect each other. So, Belinda, welcome to the show. Um, thank you so much for being with us today. Why don't you go ahead and say hello. Belinda's a little bit nervous, everybody. So, hi, Belinda. How are you? Ah, thank you for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. Um, under such unfortunate circumstances. Um, so... Belinda, you've got a really interesting story of, of um, coming out to Australia uh, under adversity, trying to find a better life for yourself, getting here with nothing, working really hard with your partner, and you, you also have children, by the way, um, and being able to then afford to buy a home, um, only to just cut to the chase, to just lose it all. Yes. Uh, and now you're just getting back on your feet. Uh, let's start from the beginning. I'd like to ask you a little bit about what happened um, to, that caused you and your partner to come to Australia with your children in the first place. And what, what, what roughly what time was this? I think you were saying earlier that it was around 2007? Yes, yes. Right, well, tell me a little bit about the life that you had in um South Africa, and what what went on that caused you to want to come to Australia? Just let's let's start there. Okay, so um, South Africa, as most people have heard, is um, a pretty violent place to live. Um, the crime was on the rise where we were living in a village, and a lot of farmers were being killed. And we decided, having two little girls, that we would prefer to give them a better education better future and uh, my husband being a tradesman was offered a job in Australia and he took the job and came out here prior to us coming. We were still there another two months and the night that I took my husband to the airport we were actually robbed and mm. they stole everything along with our passports and our air tickets. Yeah, to, to, to be able to join your partner in Australia. Yes. So just to set the scene for everyone, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people listening already understand that um, there's a lot of violence in South Africa. 
without getting into that whole subject matter, just um, tell me, you were telling me off mic earlier that that you were being threatened by um, the company that your husband worked for as well as, as other people in the community. Just tell us a little bit about that. And also, whereabouts in South Africa were you? Okay, so we lived in KwaZulu-Natal, which is the province, in a village in the Drakensberg Mountains. Oh. And um, all businesses there have, have mixed races working there. Mm-hmm. And where I worked, um, I had become involved in a car accident, which wasn't my fault, but I landed up having to go to court for that. And the staff where I worked threatened me because a person involved in the accident was one of their friends. Was a, 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 a an Indigenous person? Yes, that's correct. Right, and... You were saying, I mean, not that it's relevant, but this person essentially jumped out in front of your car, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard, the reason I raise that is I've heard that that's a classic carjacking scenario that goes on over there. I've, I've heard of a few people. Um, this In this situation, it was extremely busy on the street. They have what is called a pension day once a month. Right. And they all come into the town to get their pension money. Yep, and, and spend it. Yes, and there were a lot of taxis and this lady had gotten off the taxi and she ran in front of my car to cross the road, but she didn't look in my direction. Okay, so it wasn't intentional, it was an accident. It was. um, Okay, and so then people within the company that you worked for started threatening you. And your husband, um, once he had received this job... He was going to be leaving the company you worked at. I believe you were saying he started to be threatened as well. Yes. Um, because it was a very small village, everybody knows each other. Right. So the people I worked with, the people he worked with, all knew each other. Mm. And because of the accident, um, news spread very fast because mm. the lady that I had hit with my car actually passed away because she was left lying in the street. Mm. And... It got out, and because I was blamed for it, he was my husband, and you yeah, know. the whole thing spiraled. Yes. So that that just happened to be a coincidence of of something that occurred during the lead up to your leaving yes. of South Africa. Okay, so that's um a little bit of backstory for you, everyone. There now, your husband, as you were saying, you did drop him at the airport the night you were robbed. He got to Australia yes. roughly about when? Uh, the next day. <clears throat> he w- yeah, what, what dates was he, this in 2007? May. May 2007, mm. okay. And obviously you are robbed. You got uh, through all of the issues r- around that. I can imagine that would have taken you a few months to rectify yes. that situation. Mm-hmm. But then you were able to come out to Australia and join your partner. Correct, yes. Okay, into 2007. So just um, just for the audience, just give us a quick summary of what, occurred from that point up until the reach uh, like the till today almost or prior to the pandemic i believe you 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 got together you've got a couple of kids you worked really really hard because you've actually ended up with nothing by the time you got out here after being robbed and all that sort of thing totally um in an adverse situation but you've made good of it got jobs worked hard saved some money and you're able to buy a house correct Yes. Right. Roughly when did that occur? We got here 2007. 2009, 
we were established enough. We had managed to get our permanent residency and our girls were settled in school and we then um, managed to build a house and moved into our house and we were there for 13 years Mm. paying off the mortgage. Um, My husband was working FIFO most of that time and we managed to put our girls through two private schools. So unfortunately that did take a lot of money as I'm sure you're aware. (laughs) Yeah. And so we didn't really have much in the line of savings. Right. And the house wasn't paid off at the time that the mandates came in. Came about. in, yeah. And I can understand that. I mean, hey, I've been in this situation as well. And I think, Robin, if you're going to jump in at yes, any point. Yes, I have been in the same situation with my husband as well, yes. Yeah, so, and of course, Robin, you were in Germany. Your husband's German. Yes. And then you've come out here, I think, roughly around the same time period. Is that right? No, we only uh, relocated to Australia uh, about six months before all this COVID business started happening. And we relocated with absolutely nothing. It Mm. cost us an absolute fortune to move over here. And just when we had begun to establish ourselves, what happened? Um, the the rug was pulled from under yeah, us. Yeah, so. and that's why I wanted to bring that up because, Blinda, I, I think a lot of people in the audience are going to completely understand where you're coming from. I mean, to do what you did in, well, under 10 years, mm. when you have a family and all that, that's a quite an accomplishment. Uh, and if everything had gone on the way it should have, you would have been happily going throughout this process of repaying these debts and just getting on with your life, right? Correct. Preferably would have been (coughs) mortgage-free. Mortgage-free, yeah, yeah, yeah. You probably would have been by by now or in the near future, Mm. right? Um, And, I mean, for anyone in your own situation to come from the kind of background that you had to get to this sort of country that was once so free to to get into the community, to get jobs, to work hard, participate in the community around you, which is so, so important, uh, and become a responsible Australian citizen. I, I don't know whether you've become naturalised or not. That's not yes. really the point yes, you have. You mm-hmm. have, okay. Uh, only for our government to do what they've done to well, you. Well, I was just thinking that what an absolute disgrace that our... Supreme Leader McGowan, is is he is he on the aeroplane right now as we speak, flying to Rome, or is he already arrived? I, I don't know. Anyway, to be honest, I don't. That take, doesn't matter. I don't take much notice of the guy. To be it's, honest, it's an absolute disgrace that he is going over there and uh, promoting Australia not only for people to come and travel here, but also to attract people to come and work here. And now we're sitting. Uh, next to a lady, and your husband um, is um, not here today, but sitting next to um, two people who have come here from another country, worked their bottoms off for two years, bought a house, done all the things um, that now Mr McGowan is going over to Rome to recruit people for. To fix the problem that he created. That he created, To actually make it worse. What a disgrace. By making it worse, we're going to bring all these other foreigners in. Mm -hmm. Um, I believe, and I don't know the exact numbers, Robin, but I believe that there's around 250,000 people, sorry, 200,000 people Mm -hmm. in WA who are directly affected by all of this. Yes. 
So rather than addressing that problem, mm-hmm. we're going to go and put a very temporary Band-Aid on things only to have a greater problem further down the track. Yeah, and, and, and isn't it wonderful that... You know, if you are a supporter of the narrative, it's very easy to argue that jab injuries don't exist. But if you sit down with people such as Belinda yep. and other people, these these outcomes of the mandates are quantifiable. They are. You know? And they're being quantified every single moment of every but, day. But all the important, the so-called important people don't want to hear about that, do they? They don't want to... That's right. They don't want to look at the numbers. That's right, because... This was done for a reason. Mm -hmm. Exactly what that reason is, I'm sure we'll find out. We can speculate all day long and there's lots of evidence to point to certain areas of of why this was done. But the fact is that it wasn't a health problem. Mm -hmm. It was a manufactured problem and they know it. And we've done enough interviews with people that have been seriously and directly affected by this uh, as well as spoken to lawyers, I mean, I speak to a lawyer almost daily. Mm-hmm. Um, I can tell you for a fact that this was manufactured. There is an outcome here that they were seeking. And now whatever it is that's going to happen in the future, it's quite clear that the intention isn't to resolve the problem. No. They're just going to continue to make it worse. That's so, right. you know, they will eat bugs and own nothing and they will be happy, says Mr Schwab of the World Economic Forum. Okay, so without going off on that tangent, let's continue on with Belinda's story. It's a little bit hard not to go off on tangents, isn't it, at times with all this? Um, so you you and your partner, Belinda, I believe because of the, 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 the background that you have and where you've come from, you could see what writing was on the wall here in Australia – Absolutely, and I believe you went and bought a caravan. Yes. Okay. Um, now this is, so th- this brings us up until right in the guts of this thing. Yes. Septemberish. September, correct. Twenty twenty one. Yes. Okay. Tell me about why you did that. Well, we had seen what had transpired through the whole COVID thing. Mm. Um, me, I'm a great researcher, so I had researched everything. I smelt a rat from day one. And prior to that, um, we had sort of been through a similar thing in South Africa. You know, there's a lot of discrimination there. Mm. Not the same as what was happening here, but still discrimination. And um, we could see that that was ramping up. Yeah. And we decided that the best thing we could do was get a caravan because we did suspect the mandates would come. We knew the vaccine had been produced prior to COVID, and we knew that was coming. There was a lot of talk about that leading up to it, yes. and now it's looking more and more yes. um, as though that's indeed what happened. Mm. Yep. So we decided to be prepared. So we got a caravan. We suspected Daniel would lose his job. This is your partner? That's my husband, yes. Yep. Um, we suspected that, and we knew because we didn't have savings, we probably wouldn't be able to keep our house. Right. So, so you were able to um, quantify this situation. You've seen it all happen before. You knew what was coming. And you knew what you had to do about it. Yes. Okay? Yes. Right, so next. The Northern Territory, which is where my husband works on a mine. They fly and fly out from Western correct. Australia. Yes. Yep. Uh, they mandated the vaccine prior 
to WA. Mm. So he had hoped that he could work till the end of December, but he had to leave in November. Ah, just like me. So mm. he returned to WA, and it wasn't wasn't long. Obviously, the money had run out, and we had to sell the house. Right. Okay. So you were for, you were put in a position where you're forced to sell the yes. house. Yes. And um and so you've done that, but you kept the caravan. Yes. Right. So at this stage, I'm assuming that you've sold the house and things just aren't really looking better. Well, or, or was there a bit of a reprieve once you'd done that? Not really, because we didn't have any family here or any friends with sizable properties, except one lady. Um, we Even though we had the caravan, we had nowhere to go. Yeah. So we were kind of thinking we might have to hit the road for a while. And um, Then you need fuel to do that. Exactly. Need some mm. form of income. Yeah. So we were very, very nervous for quite a while with nowhere to go. So we delayed the settlement of our house so that we still had somewhere to stay. We sold most of our stuff and we managed to find a friend who stored our furniture for us. Wow. And we then had this lady come forward and offer for us to put the caravan on her property, which is where we went to next. Can I ask what it was like for you to have to sell the house that you'd worked for and sell all your belongings? Mm, Great question. It was really a very, very difficult time for me because we already did that once, leaving South Africa. And so once again, I was back to having lost everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, my husband worked very, very hard those 13 years to pay off this house. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and as all you, all, I mean, it's not just him. I mean, I know he's the one going to work, mm. but you're all going without lots of things. And, do, you know, it's hard doing that, um, especially where we're in a society where basically most of your income goes into uh, just literally surviving. And then to have literally nothing to spend, so no holiday to aim for or anything nice to sort of keep you going. And those things are really important, right? Well, and what what is more important, um, Andrew, is um, family and friends. And yeah. um, you were saying that you didn't have um, any that, family, that's any right. family or mm. friends here. Did you? Were you able to call them? Were they able to support you? Um, unfortunately, not. I mm. had been sending money to my mother mm-hmm. in South Africa because yeah, it's, it's, the other it's, way it's really around. difficult there. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So no, they couldn't give us any support. Uh, yeah, yeah. And did you, do you have any friends here that were able to support you during that time? Because that's such a difficult situation. Mm. Yes, we have some very, very dear friends. Mm-hmm. And Thank God. a lot of them not in a good financial position themselves. We have a lot of unvaccinated friends. Yeah. Um, well, not not anti-vax. Let's just make that point. I, I mean, I've had all my vaccines, but I'm not going to be an experiment for the exactly, government. To, to, exactly. I'm not. not I'm not your, your guinea pig, McGowan. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, birds of a feather flock together, right? So it makes sense that you have other friends around you that are aware or wise to this con, this scamdemic. Um. So thank God for that. You had some people that could you could lean on a little bit. Yes. And one of them being the lady who had the property, mm-hmm. who 
said we could park up there, which was fantastic because it's rather expensive to take a caravan around. Yeah, (laughs) that must have been an absolute lifesaver. It was, totally. Righto. And those people, um, I hope that you're still good friends with them today. Yes, absolutely. Oh, isn't that wonderful? People being... Um, like caring for each other, it's it's really nice to hear, um, because so often you hear about these sort of stories where eventually the the owners of the property kick you out because they're just sick to death of not getting their own way every day kind of thing, which I mean, when you're in a situation like this and you offer your property to people that are in need, you have to do it really from the heart. Yes, absolutely. Uh, because if you're not. It's not going to work out and um, and I think it's important to recognise and to talk about this because there are a lot of people, even in the freedom movement in Western Australia, who I'm quite certain aren't thinking purely in that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're still all, what can I do, what's in it for me kind of thing, which is really disturbing. So just moving on then, it, so good that you had that that property to stay on but mm. that wasn't the solution no absolutely it was just short term short term mm. um and so what happened next I, I, you were saying that you were working some part-time jobs during this period is that yes so um my hubby managed to have some contacts on our facebook pages yep. who offered him odd jobs right. so he was able to do odd jobs in residential places which weren't mandated because he's an electrician right yes oh so he's got a very skilled um really you know needed um, skill set in the community and Mm. and, okay so it's great to hear that he could do a couple of cashy Mm. jobs they went they went a lot though um a lot of the companies were struggling um they were also finding wherever they went they were required to be vaccinated yeah so a lot of people have landed up doing odd jobs, and so Daniel wasn't bringing in enough. Yeah, um, we obviously still. Have now this is just to pay these people a little bit of money whose property you were staying at, right? Correct. With the caravan, and and that's the right thing to do. But even at that level of requirement of income, you were still struggling. Yes, because um, we obviously had uh, private health that we needed to keep going because yeah. I've I've got to have surgery. So we were trying to pay that. Okay, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But you were trying to save some money for that as well as pay some bills while you're at this property. So literally you're on Struggle Street. Yes. Living in the caravan. Yes. With your two girls. No, our girls had already left home. Wow, that's great. So they're adults themselves. Yes. Are they okay in in this whole thing? Are they surviving all right? Um, Yes. They unfortunately have all been vaccinated Um. In order to keep their jobs. And how old are they? Uh, 19 and 25. Okay, we hear this so often. Mm. Um, People of that age group have really uh, fallen for the propaganda and we don't criticise them for that. I mean, they're young people. They don't have all that life experience to be able to pick these things out for what they are. Um, I'm really sorry to hear that, Belinda. Um, But hopefully they got the saline... um, batch rather than something else the good batch the good batch because as we know and something i've talked about quite a lot we are we are aware that there is a um an international database that's for for public consumption called howbadismybatch.com and we're aware that even though there is information being posted to this database about the batches 
the Australian government has never released any kind of alert about, you know, oh, there's been several... De- we know of one lady who's gotten a bad batch nearly died from it, and it turned out that that batch had already killed two people before she was injected. Now, I am outraged that the government hasn't released any uh, public health warnings yeah. or... Re- um, uh, put a requirement or a directive in place for those batches to be destroyed. Well, considering I've my friend uh, just made a post the other day saying that, of course, there's a whatever product from Woolworths that needs to be recalled because two people have become ill from consuming it. Interesting, isn't uh, it? But they, they don't want to uh, alert people to the fact that there's bad batches that can kill you. Just another reason why we we um, we we have these opinions around it being a planned um, depopulation program mm-hmm. because I mean it's not the it's not a stretch of the imagination to see these things. These things are real. This is what's happening. And um, please, if you've got a better theory, make a comment in the comments below. Please, I'd like to hear your better theory, and um, I'd like to learn. A little bit more about um, where you're getting your information so that we can have that discussion. Thank you very much, audience. Um, And of course, while I'm at it, everyone, please um, hit the like button. If you're enjoying this content or any of the other content we produce, please hit the like button on that and please make a comment below. And of course, please install the Podbean app and follow us through that app because that way when we do live shows, you can type in questions to us or if we open the phones you can actually dial in voice over ip via the app and talk to us so that's that um can i just add being a a regular listener of the eight new show at podbean.com the like button uh on the uh, podbean app when you're listening to the podcast is actually a little red love heart in the bottom right corner so you should go ahead and press that yeah the um i think uh, from the way I'm new at this whole podcasting thing, right? Um, but the way I understand it, the Podbean platform is fairly new and mm-hmm. it's under, going under a constant development. And geez, I just hope they develop a few new things soon because I hate having to use the mobile app to answer comments. I want to just do it through the the web page mm-hmm. interface for the mm-hmm. uh, for the, the UI for that platform. But um, unfortunately, I can't do that. So anyway, moving along, that's enough about me. Uh, it's all about Belinda today. So Belinda, um, you then, um, you know, you're, you're working on jobs to start to uh, to keep paying for this, but you've got this operation coming up. Um, that put you then in a position where you're on Struggle Street, you're starting to think about would it be better to go home to South Africa? Is that right? Yes. And, and, and I'm, I'm just sort of looking at my, my show notes here, but um, that would be around March of this year? Yes, correct. Right. So we'd been living on this lady's property for about two months at that stage. Right. So you got there after Christmas? Yes. After this year? Yes. Okay, well, not this year. <laughs> you got to that property in the early parts of this year? Yes, yes. Okay, and why did you – what was the thought process that you were going through? Why would you start thinking about going back to a place that's, geez, just obviously much worse than here? Yes, in in terms of crime, yes, much worse. Um, but no mandates in order to work, and our family's there. 
And we thought rather than living in a caravan in Australia, we could return there knowing our girls would be safe here, safe in the sense that they're working and taken care of. Yeah, they're not blue-eyed, blonde-haired. They're gonna, not going to be in physical danger like they would be yes. in South yes. Africa. Yep. So we would rather have been with family and my husband would have found work reasonably quickly and we wouldn't have to live in a caravan. Yeah. And just sort of looked at it in that sense because there was no way we could ever have imagined WA turning out like it did. In in fact, the whole of Australia. Yeah. Yeah, where our Prime Minister says there's no way there's in any of these mandates and yet by mm. proxy to the federal government, the state government's acted and then um, uh, co-opted the businesses into acting as a proxy for the government as well. Mm sitting themselves right between um, your doctor and your own privacy, your health privacy, uh, was just been invaded. So how did that make you feel, understanding all of this, and then starting to think, oh, we might as well go back home and face all these dangers? That must have been – I can just imagine – I mean, what do you reckon, Robin? Going through that thought process must have been gut-wrenching. Yeah, well – yeah, and it was also extremely difficult knowing we would have to leave our girls here. Yeah. And um at, but still my husband was starting to have some sort of mental issues in terms of feeling depressed, not being able to work, not yeah. being able to provide. And it really floors you. Look, yes. I, I've had two bouts of this since this all started. The further into it I get, the more broke I get. Actually, in a funny way, the more liberated I get. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm having an enormously great time meeting people like you, Belinda. Um, but, uh, yeah, just I, I just don't know how um, people – why people aren't talking about that aspect of it more because my experience was literally flattened, starting to feel a little bit on edge and then suddenly wake up in the morning and you're like, you know what? I can't function today. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. and you literally spend the entire day on the lounge. And I've had a couple of bouts where it's like four days. And then all of a sudden I just snap out of it. But I tell you what, during that four days, um, not so much that I'm in a dark place where I'm I'm thinking about hurting myself or anything like that, but it literally just your entire being is just being drained Mm. and you don't know what to do next. Well, I think mental health um, is one of those subjects which – um people it's it's a very personal um topic and so it's not really talked about as openly mm. as something like you know losing your job and yeah, the, yeah. the premier's mm. an asshole and you know all those sorts of things yeah because everyone perceives that as being something that we all share but they never ever realize that we're all sharing great, great depression as well at the same mm. time yes and also uh, i think there's an added because it's such <laughs> a, um, I don't know, the first time in well, human ever. history yeah, yeah. that this is this unique situation has happened yeah. to a, a huge population of Australia and all around the world. Um, I think, I know for myself, there can often be um, attached to that depression is that, oh, we don't have any right to talk about that, don't have any right to feel like that because 
you know, they're telling you in the media that you chose that and, you know, there's consequences That's right. to your choice. You chose to kill Granny. Yeah. So yeah. I think mm. um, even though we are awake to what's going on, um, th- you can't help but hear those things. And then when, like I said, mental health is already one of those That's issues right. which is really difficult to talk oh, about. Don't you just – doesn't it just want you, make you want to wring his neck when – and I won't – so I won't say who he is, but I no. think you know. <laughs> yeah. Where he gets up and he says, "You chose, you chose this outcome for yourself." Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm sorry, dear leader. I chose not to be experimented upon. That's what I chose. That's right. Yeah. Not the rest of it. Exactly. Um, okay. So once again, not about us, Robin. <laughs> it's about Belinda. <laughs> <laughs> How do we not talk about these things, though, everyone? <laughs> How do we not talk about this? Um, so, Belinda, y- y- you must have been on the verge of tears on the night that you were sort of – I can imagine you sitting here with your partner going, well, shit, we might as well go back to South mm. Africa. Was it gut-wrenching? It was. It was extremely difficult because at that stage I found that I was also starting to have some mental issues. Mm. And um, it was really difficult for both of us. You know, being in a caravan isn't easy. Oh, bet. You know, everybody gets excited about going on a road trip and that. But when you've actually got to live in there, mm. um, it's not a lot of space. And yeah, I can imagine. I mean, hey, and the other thing is um, uh, it's not easy. I can imagine it's not easy getting your washing done, for example. Just those exactly. those things that need to be yes. done. Yeah. I don't know why I'm interested, but... I, are you able to do that sort of thing in your caravan or do you have to actually be somewhere to use a washing machine? What we had actually done is we'd taken our washing machine with us. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> we hooked it up outside and that's Oh, how you'd we wheel it out and hook it up? Well, we set it up properly outside and wow. it stayed there. Oh, because you're on this property, yes, right? Okay, yes. and your husband's very handy, I very. can imagine. <laughs> well, that always helps to have a handyman around. Um, okay, yes. so... You had some of the creature comforts, yes. but just only a couple. Yes. Um, yeah. Using a, a caravan bathroom permanently is yeah. also not easy Yeah. Um, because there's no actual plumbing. You've got to fill tanks. You've got to yeah. empty canisters. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's what not about, great. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. You know, everybody needs to have their cup of tea in the morning and mm. their coffee and use water for cooking and also your washing up. Did you have... Access water yes. <laughs> in the yes. caravan. Yes, we did. You did um, from this property. Yes, absolutely. So mm-hmm. in that sense, that was great. We could have showers. We could cook and clean. And you thank know. God for that. Yes, absolutely. So, so luckily, I mean, we, we're not talking about you weren't living in your car at any point. No, no. I'm really glad to hear that because, by the way, for our audience, we are going to be speaking to someone who's spent a bit of time in their car. Just mm-hmm. well, I think they're still in there, aren't they? Yes. Right. Okay. So we've got some real serious ones coming up, but not to diminish this because this is a very, very tragic story and it's one that um, I I, I literally believe tens of thousands of people in Western Australia are currently going through. So I hope that those people can get something out of this um, podcast today. Um, So Belinda, um, we're, we're currently in March 2022 when you're having this conversation about going back you, you haven't gone back, obviously. We're here today in, uh, well, it's almost July. Um, so what happened next? Um, you've gone from March 
thinking about this and now we're getting into now June mm. of this year, literally this month of this year, and you're still on that property and, and I believe you all got COVID. Yes. <laughs> there were six of us living there um, right. and we all got COVID. And um, my husband and I, um, we were sick for about three or four days and um, we then recovered. I had a residual cough for a few weeks. Um, I hubby recovered very quickly and the other people the same. Now, how many of you out of these six were jabbed? Only one. Ah, uh, But okay. the rest of us weren't. And but but even that person got re- recovered fairly quickly. Yes. So there you go. So the jabbed person, great example there. There was no benefit for that person. No, absolutely not. Interesting. <laughs> funny that, isn't the it? The truth yeah. comes out. <laughs> yeah. well, it's funny how yes. many people we talk to that disclose those little tidbits of fact. Mm. And were you absolutely flat on your back? Couldn't get up for three or four days, and oh, it was just the worst not. cold you'd ever had in your life. I yeah. still functioned as normal. Yeah. Did you? Mm-hmm. So when I had it, and I didn't test, so I can't claim that I did. But yeah, I'm I, the same. I think I had it for three I'm, days, but I, I'm not I, sure. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm pretty certain I had it because of I just everything that everyone's spoken about. But mm-hmm. I was absolutely flattened out of the blue, and my back pain was excruciating. Well, it's funny you say that because my husband was ill. We, we, we suspect it was COVID, our conspiracy mm-hmm. allegedly. We can't be sure because we didn't test. Mm. But he also had awful back pain. Yeah, well, I found just doing um, two Panadols every four hours mm-hmm. um, basically got rid of I could still feel it, but I was fully functional. Mm-hmm. And basically um, I was tired and worn out, but after four days, hey, mm-hmm. presto, I was back up and running. Yep. Mm-hmm. Gee, it was would have been worth taking the jab. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Gosh, it would have been worth being a, a guinea pig in the global experiment. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Klaus, I didn't go for it, mate. Um, Klaus or Klaus? Klaus, Klaus Schwab. <laughs> Klaus Schwab. Yeah. Um, Senator Palpatine, I like to call him. Um, okay, so, Belinda, um, you got COVID and... You, now, we, we earlier talked about the fact that you were going to have an operation. Tell us a little bit about that um, in relation to you to this time very early in this month when you all got COVID. Um, I received a, a message from the WA Health Department. Now, now do, I just want to lay it out for people. Yes. You, you were scheduled to have a hip replacement. Yes. Something very common. Um I shouldn't say very common, but it's one of those uh, reoccurring things. That lots of people go through it, but it's a quality of life, um, a thing that's a, your life can be seriously diminished if you mm. can't walk around people. So, a hip replacement. I mean, I, I've got people in my family that have had that. My grandmother and someone else I know had that, but. Um, that really just puts you back into good stead and, and it returns you to normal life. So mm. it's a very, very – it's not like a um, cosmetic surgery. It's one of these things that you just have to have. You have to do it, yes. right? It gets to a point yes. where you have to do it. Okay, so you've all had COVID. You're due to go into the hospital. What happened? Um, right, so I got this message saying that I needed to notify – my surgeon that I'd had COVID. Mm. Reason being, um, hubby and I had to test because of his odd jobs. 
the company he was working for at the time requested that he did. So not have the not mandate the vax for him, but he just no. had to do regular. Um, well, no, not at all. But if you got sick, yes. So okay. he took it because he was sick, and he came up positive. So that's gotcha. How. And is this the? I, I hate calling it the rat test, but that's what we're talking yes. about, right? Yes. Okay. And um, so he got it, and so I also tested, and. I came up positive. So as soon as I was better, I contacted the surgeon's rooms. I said, look, I've had COVID. I'm all good now, but I've been told to notify you. And they then informed me that my surgery would be delayed by nine weeks. Okay. And I, at that stage, was in a wheelchair. Now, have you had this surgery? No. You still haven't had the surgery? No. You were in a wheelchair at that time? Yes. Oh, crap. Okay, tell us a little bit about why you were in the wheelchair. Um, my right hip had actually given in as such, yep. and I wasn't able to walk for quite a while. And um, it, <laughs> it sort of started to heal up a little bit. So okay, with anti-inflammatories yes. and things like that, right, yes. okay. So and I then progressed to crutches, but as I'm sure you can imagine, getting in and out of a caravan... Wasn't wasn't oh. a lot of fun. Yeah, where are you at right now? Are you just on anti-inflammatories every day just to get yes. by, are you? Yes. Oh, that's really not good for you either. No, it's not. They're really bad mm. for your stomach, those things. Well, that's no good. Okay, now I've got to ask the question. You were scheduled to go into hospital, mm. but you hadn't been jabbed. No. How was that going to work anyway? I, I mean, we know what yeah. the hospitals are like. Sir Charles Gardner, you're disgusting. Sorry. Sorry. I had to throw that in. I had to have a pre-op meeting with a nurse who works for the surgeon. And she asked if I was vaccinated. So I said no. So she said that she needed to tell me the process I would go through in the hospital and how I would be... Physically assaulted. (laughs) Treated. Yeah. Treated. Thank you. So um, my husband was told that he wasn't allowed to come in. He had to drop me at the entrance. <laughs> and at that stage, trying to get in on What hospital was this, by the way? Um, Hollywood Hospital. Oh, yes. Okay. Private hospital, that one? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we're going to physically assault you, but you still can come in as long as you submit to the assault. Exactly. So right. I would be greeted by staff in full PPE gear. Mm-hmm. Face shields. Get my yellow band. Yep, yep. Your Star of David ba- Is this band. the yellow band to signal that you're unjabbed, you're yep. one of the lepers? Correct. Right. Yep. yep. Wonderful healthcare system we have here. Yep. I would be separated from the rest of the patients and put into the COVID ward. Even though you don't have COVID. Exactly. They're putting you in mm. the COVID ward. Mm. I would be treated as though I did have COVID. Like I wonder leper. if you're added to the uh, daily totals as Probably. well on uh, Mr McGowan's little tally that he keeps. I wouldn't day. be surprised. Oh, it's it's fascinating, isn't it? Mm. It's um these ex- extraordinary numbers in the you know four and a half thousand cases, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not deaths, not mm-hmm. anything else, but cases. Mm-hmm. And, and well, oh don't forget God. the historic deaths. The as historic well. deaths, yes, yeah. which. Which uh, is a, a term coined mm. by the uh, people who mm. make his list because I googled it. That doesn't exist. Mm. And then when <laughs> when people started finding and finding them out, they quickly reverted to died with COVID. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now that we've established the truth, um, let's go back to you going into hospital. So mm. you, you they've warned you that you're going to be physically assaulted. And I'm sorry if the hospitals don't agree with that terminology, but that's what happened. That is what's happening. I've witnessed it myself, so don't deny it. Now, um, you've gone, okay, fine. You've, but you've gotten COVID only at the beginning of this month and now you're going to be delayed for another nine weeks for this urgent surgery that you're, you're awaiting. Mm. It's going to vastly change your quality of life. And, I mean, in the meantime, you're taking anti-inflammatories all day, every day, possibly going to end up with some complication in your stomach because of that. Um, hopefully not. Now, obviously, everybody, I'm not a doctor but I grew up in a medical family. I've been very much exposed to these sorts of issues throughout my life. Um, so now you're still waiting on the surgery. Yes, I am. Uh, What's the, the latest update on that? The 26th of July. Of July, yes. late this month, yep. late next month. So mm. we're in the last days of June right now. Um is that just where it's up to or have you been given any other information about the sorts of things that you're going to endure when you go into the hospital? Have they updated you there at all? Or? Well, I um, I got an exemption and that is my only hope at this stage that the hospital might relent and let me go into a regular ward. Mm. I'm not sure. I have no details at this so stage. So sorry, hang on. So you're going for hips replacement surgery, but they're going to put you into what a uh, COVID ward mm. in isolation. Mm. Oh, like you're so you're a healthy, oh, um, very healthy middle aged woman. Yep. And they're going to treat you like a prisoner and put you in isolation. And no at the hospital. Yes, and I was told that no nurses would be coming to treat me unless they'd put their PPE on. I just want to make the point that, by the way, um, one of the uh, most common places to get uh, a life-ending disease... Yes, is in the hospital. ...is in a hospital. That's right. Golden staff. Not to frighten poor Belinda, but it's true. No, but yes. look, we, we all have to go yes. through it. I mean, That's right. you can imagine these things happening, but I just wanted to make that point because... It makes this whole COVID thing look so stupid, mm-hmm. which it is. Mm. It is a scam, Demic. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know? Do you know? You remember back in the day? Um, well, I say back in the day, like two years ago, um, when you know, Granddad who's had a lung disease, or even Dad who's had a lung disease, or or, or Mum, or anyone else, someone in your family that you know. They've been on death's doorstep for six months, Mm. gets to the point where they've actually got to be in hospital. Mm -hmm. They get the common cold and that's what kills them. Mm -hmm. And then the discussion used to be, oh, yeah, look, the common cold got them in the end. Mm -hmm. Tragic, but, you know, there's nothing that could be done about it. Mm -hmm. Now it's, um, oh, my God, it's a statistic. Look at the numbers going through the roof. Run for the hills. Save yourselves. That's right. Ah. That's that's. You know, and that's um, the fear. The, yeah, the, the fear, fear factor. campaign, you know. It's, yeah. It's, it's a winner. It works. Good on you, McGowan. You, you hit the jackpot. Um, okay, so now now um, you can't have your, pro- your, um, your surgery. You're on this property in the caravan and you've got really nowhere else to turn. Yes. Is that right? That is correct, yes. So tell us what happened from that point. Well, um did a bit of research and found out we actually couldn't go back to South Africa because we couldn't get a flight because we weren't jabbed. Uh. 
And then... That's just current. That's like this month you found this out. Uh, last month, yes. Okay. So May. In May this year. Okay. Yes. Just a couple of weeks ago. And then obviously the mandates have been dropped in the interim. And we then find out we couldn't get into South Africa anyway because they wanted us to be checked too. As well. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, look, we, we had to stay. We've just had to stay. Yeah. Um, now, your husband um, then ended up getting his job back just recently. Yes, yes. Tell us about that. What happened? When did it, that happen? Last week, Thursday. Oh, shit. He flew back. Okay, when did he find out that he was able to get his job back? Um, just a few days before that. They Jeez. actually phoned him and asked him to come back. Isn't that fascinating as well? Normally for a situation like that, particularly with fly and fly out, there's usually um, uh, like little courses that you've got to do. I, I'm, I'm trying to think of the Inductions mm. is mm. the word yes. I'm trying to think of. All sorts of stuff to go through. Usually it takes several weeks, but... They got him back. They phoned him up and got him back within four days. Mm. I wonder, was the employer desperate to get people back onto the job? In his situation, um, they said he was still on the system. Right. So they didn't have to redo everything. He did have to redo a medical, though. Um, Yes, a lot of the places are desperate. They've lost a lot of staff and they need the guys to come back. So he's definitely not the only one. Yeah. Many, many. I'm hearing this all the time called. from the mining yes. sector. Um, people and offered are, more too. Yeah, and people. Yeah, that's right. People are getting phoned up to get their jobs back. Mm. I haven't had the phone call yet. Neither have I. You bastards. <laughs> but um, I don't know if I'd mm. want the job back. Yes. Honestly, well, that, to be that's honest. something I just wanted to ask mm. you about. Have you? Well, I don't know. It's any of our business. Um, but yeah. have you managed to? Um, have you had the opportunity to speak to your husband about how he feels about being back up there after what, considering... Um, the betrayal. Yes, and also, you know, having suffering um, some level of depression from what's gone on. Um, I know for myself, um, contemplating going back uh, to work for... The uh, employer I was working for um, so it brings up all sorts of thoughts and emotions for me. I'm mm. just wondering if you've spoken to your husband, if he's had any thoughts about his experience so far in the couple of days. Being yeah, back I'm, up I'm interested mm-hmm. to know. Um, he is not entirely happy about being back. Um, however, he was one of the ones who wasn't treated terribly when he said he wasn't getting vaccinated. He was just yep. told, look, you know, you, sorry to lose you, but you've got to go. About it. Yeah, I mean, I got those sort of words put to me in person as well, but, geez, the intimidation, harassment, coercion that I went through outside of those direct conversations mm-hmm. was quite profound. Mm-hmm. So what is your husband saying about the conversations he's having with other workmates? Um, in general, the... The people he's working with now, some he has worked with in the past, so they already knew his stand on all of this. Mm -hmm. And they've actually been pretty good to him. Um, He, on the other hand, is nervous because every single person he's working with is triple jabbed. Mm -hmm. And um, is he nervous about what they're going to say or is he nervous perhaps about um, shedding or mm. the, the foggy no, jab the brain that you hear about? Yeah, the shedding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he is not happy about being 
in that situation. They mm. are working on a lead mine, so they're all exposed to lead as it is. Mm. So the biggest thing now for him is just to keep keep his health. Yes. And um, so he's trying really hard. Mm-hmm. So I, I can imagine he's not um, hanging out with the boys no, at the pub after all. work and no. things like that. Yeah. No. I mean, that's a, it's funny that you bring that up because <laughs> it's funny the things you think about. Um, one of the, when I was, I was flying fly out for many years, about 14 years, last 14 years I've been flying fly out, a little break in between, but 14 years. Um, I really, especially after a really big week, um, going to the bar and having a couple of drinks after work, you know, you're doing 12-hour days and often it's like non-stop. Hmm. I don't know about everyone else, but that was my working life. Um, and uh, I took I, – I got a whole lot from just going and sitting down with my workmates. And, you know, uh, when you're there in those places for many years, you end up with lots of other friends. And it's really nice to – sit down and have a beer. Also, it depends on what sort of site you come from, but if you come from one of the really big ones, Mm. you might find that there's actually two camps, thousands of people on these mine sites, Mm. friends that you've had for many, 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 many years you like to catch up with. They might be in another camp. So, you know, you'd be – occasionally there's an opportunity to jump on a bus and get over to the other camp so you can have a few drinks and then get a lift back sort of thing to where Mm -hmm. you you live on site. Um, but I've got, to, I've got to say to you, it's already crossed my mind. If I went back, I won't be doing any of that. Mm-hmm. I'll literally be going there just to go to work. And it's going to be a very lonely kind of experience yes. in a sense. Um, and then all I think about is, well, then I'm going to go and work my ass off for, for the eight days on because I, I normally do eight days on, six off. And then I'm going to come home and be compelled to work my ass off for the six days to catch up with doing what we're doing right here. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um I personally feel like there's no option for me to go back to work. So please, everybody, I'd love you to become a patron uh, of the show uh, because I feel like getting this story out is far more important than me going back and earning 160k a year, Mm -hmm. which is essentially what I'd walk directly back into, right? Mm -hmm. Roughly that. It's not a bad little pay packet to walk back to. Well, absolutely, yeah. Um, there's um, a lot of compelling reasons why you'd want to do that, but um, none of them are very compelling anymore, Robin. No, and I think that's probably because... Just speaking in my Sorry, my that's, that's, that's sorry. Don't want to have to remind you again. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably because uh, your name isn't uh, Fauci or Schwab, yeah. uh, who is possessed by the devil and also the love of money. Yeah. So that's why you are doing what you're doing right yeah. now. Yeah. Um, and yeah. God, God and look, bless you for doing it. And too. look, we're not um, criticising the people out there that have been jabbed, right? No. Um, this is a big mistake. And you, I think, I think you and I talked about this just a little while ago. Um, people um, from our side of the fence, and that's including you, Linda, the last thing we should be doing is going and criticising people who took the jab because we all have a very different set of circumstances mm-hmm. and how can I say to another person that my thoughts on this are far more important than your thoughts on this? That's right. Um, I feel sorry that all these people have been put in this position but I'm not picking on you and I'm not thinking less of you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we just all need to work together on this one and make sure that our decision makers, i.e. our governments, are held to account. That's what this is all about, Absolutely. really. So going back to work, 
to earn really good money and going back to that cushy life. I used to love going to work. You worked for your, your week and once you're there and you've gotten into it, it, it flashes by because, you, you know, you're working so hard every day. Mm-hmm. And then you have a week off, basically a week off. I used to love it. Mm-hmm. Really did. It just provided such a great lifestyle for me. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people really benefit from that. But, my God, uh, that's um, so far from my mind right now. So let's get back into it. Oh, we've sort of gotten sidetracked <laughs> again. It's my fault, everybody. It's my fault. At the same time, I also don't want to just end this conversation without getting all of these points out, right? Mm-hmm. So Daniel, um, your part, your husband, Linda, he's mm-hmm. gone back to the Northern Territory, back to his old job, gotten back in. So now life's starting to get back on track for you. But just before he went back, you were able to finally secure this lovely little house that we're in right now. Yes. I oh, know it's a duplex, right? Um, where we I'm are? not really sure what they I, call I, him here. I think it's a duplex. Something um, like that. But look, it's it's very nice. It's very clean. It's very modern. Thank God you were able to get back into a home. Yes. How, tell us that about that process and how that came about because I think there's probably a lot of people out there, myself included, who I have my own house but I'm looking at selling. Um and I, I also, you know, we hear about the property market cr- collapsing mm. and all those things. So, you know, I guess there's a lot of people thinking about, well, what should I do? What should I do? But um, from my pers- from my from from my perspective, I just don't see um, having that sort of th- this bullshit hanging over my head is actually beneficial to me. So, I'm thinking I'd like to rent a place maybe with a few friends, even though I'm far past the age of doing that. But that's just. <laughs> You know, that's the reality of the situation mm. we're in right now. I'm sure lots of people are thinking about that. I'm thinking I won't have a job per se. And I mean, you can say, oh, I'm a podcaster <laughs> or I'm a YouTuber. Well, big deal. <laughs> big deal, buddy, show me your bank balance. Mm. Um, so how the hell did you actually get this beautiful little rental blender? We joined the thousands of people looking for rentals. Um, Mm -hmm. We didn't have high hopes because Daniel wasn't back at work at that stage. And you're not employed and you're waiting for an operation. I I was working until the surgery thing happened. Um, So we applied for rentals. We turned down quite a few, of course, and um, came to see this rental. And we honestly believe that uh, the owner looked at our circumstances. Mm. Right. She also obviously appreciated the fact that we are middle-aged, we don't have children, we don't have animals. This is a big um, thing with You're going to look after the yes, place. Yes, and that, that is, yeah, it's a concern, yeah. So, you so know... So the, did the owner actually meet you? No. It was all through a no, real estate but agent? But the real estate agent obviously gave her all our details. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I'm sure the real estate agent said, oh, look, they look like they're very reasonable, um, well, respectable so. people. <laughs> I well, so. I mean, just meeting you, um, I think that, you know, you're an upstanding um, member of our community. There's certainly, I mean, you're not a druggie. Nope. You're not wasting <laughs> everyone's time. You've got this beautiful, very, very clean, well-kept house. You're obviously an upstanding citizen. Do you know how many people had um, put in an offer or requested to rent this place? This particular one, mm. I think about 50. The 50. previous one, 150. Wow. Yeah. And, and they literally queue up outside the yeah. front door. And anyone who's gone wow. to look at a rental will know exactly what mm. we're talking about. little tip for everyone, something that I learnt quite a few years ago, 
what you do is you go through all the lists of rentals and you make out your own list, right? And then you, obviously these lists are for each of the, of the real estate companies and then you send them your list and you organise for a time where you can just get together with an estate agent that's convenient because they all have downtime throughout the day and they will just take you from property to property to property mm. all in one hit. You just do a car, car trail mm. around the streets mm. and it's a far more effective mm. and efficient way of doing it rather than waiting for the Saturday, you know, 300 bash up kind of thing mm-hmm. just to get in to see it so mm-hmm. that's a little tip for everyone that one works mm-hmm. and that was actually told to me by a real estate agent there you, uh, go. there you go so you got the rental yes i'm so happy for you um is was in that process is there any tips that you could give to other people that are going through this um this cir- these circumstances similar to yours i do feel that even though we're here and my husband has his job back. Mm-hmm. We know it's temporary. And all I can say is don't be lulled into thinking that we are normal again. Yeah, I agree. And we have decided we are not selling the caravan. We know that my husband's job isn't going to last. Mm. This is only the beginning. Mm. Yeah. So we are still making sure we prepared. Yeah. We don't want to buy at this stage again because... We don't think we will be able to keep it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so we are still prepared and we know we won't be in the rental forever either. Yeah. And of course, we're, we're there, you know, you can tell what's going to come mm. by, by the discussion points or the, the talking points mm. in the media. And all that we hear now is energy crisis and food, food crisis. Mm. Yep. Okay, so... And the food shortages are there. They are there. And, I mean, isn't Mm. it crazy? I've just had my mother from New South Wales over um, and she was astounded that when I took her to the supermarket because, you know, I've got no money, so we're we're cooking dinner every night. Mm -hmm. Um, Although that's that's pretty bloody expensive to do it that way these days. Yes, it is. But... um, uh, she couldn't believe it that you, there were no eggs in the supermarket. Now look, yeah. I, I'm living in the the Bronx part of Mossman Park. So any from anyone for anyone in Western Australia, certainly from Perth, you'll know that that's one of the the quite nice suburbs in the area. Mm-hmm. I, that's part of the Golden Triangle. I'm on the outside of that. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm um, I'm in amongst the common folk. Uh, no Ferrari in my driveway, people. Um, although there are a lot of houses around that are just like that um but we can't get eggs Mm -hmm. in our local supermarket it's a coles Mm -hmm. um you can't get eggs you can barely buy toilet paper still yep you can get it but you know the shelves aren't full Mm. um so many other things other products that are just really short yet in new south wales none of that they they haven't experienced it they they experienced the 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 short um you know, you can't buy toilet paper. Mm-hmm. I still yeah. haven't got my head around that one. Mm. Um, y- you know, it's disgusting, but, you know, you've always got a finger kind of thing. I mean, it is. But, but <laughs> I mean, but the point, no, but the yeah. point is, is, I mean, I've heard, you know, kind of jokes about um, communist Poland and stuff like that where they literally didn't have any of these things either. So they'd use little tiny squares of newspaper mm-hmm. and there was this technique that they'd use. Mm. Um, and, 
it, it, it's I won't describe it, right? But okay. but what the point is is that why were I still don't get it? Why why were all the the tissues and toilet? But why did that just disappear off the shelves? I, I still just don't get it. Well, and I can tell you now because I live. Um east of the coast i live inland on the way to kalgoorlie and um our local shopping centers still there's some sort of rotation happening one week it'll be that they don't have the eggs and the toilet paper and the bread and then the next week it'll be they don't have the frozen food in the freezers and then the next week it'll be oh they don't have the the shampoos and the you know all those sorts of um, toiletry items, all that sort of thing, and a couple of months ago they had little signs on on each shelf that said, "Sorry, we don't have these products at the moment. It's due to COVID nineteen and the delays, and there's no staff." Right? You could accept that then. Yep. Um, oh, and before that, it was because of the um, flood and the train line. Yeah, 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 was yeah, 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 yeah. They couldn't get the food over. Right. Yeah. Well, now we still have food sh- food shortages. We still have food shortages yeah. in yeah. our uh, supermarket stores up in the hills. And I, <laughs> again, my conspiracy allegedly, it's it's um, getting us ready. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. that's right. For actual real short that's food right. shortages yes, when that's they right. want to. Um, have us, you know, own nothing and love it. Yeah. You know. So yeah. They're, they're, and if you're now saying that New South Wales don't have a problem, either they have... Well, they're going to have a problem, mm-hmm. but they, I mean, I, I think that where I was coming from was that um, over here in Western Australia, I mean, I drove past the farm just the other day going down to Albany, mm-hmm. pretty sure that was, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, where they have the chickens, um, where they um, lay their eggs. What do you call it? Yeah, you know those. farm. <laughs> yeah, whatever the, whatever it is. Uh, there is a, a word and I know that someone's going to write a comment in yeah. there, like you do often, Robin, correcting me. I know, thanks. On things. <laughs> um, so please correct me, everyone. Please make a comment. By the way, hit that like button. Um, but uh, th- the truth is, is that we're going we're gonna to be struck down by this. But, but uh, what I'm getting at is that I'm pretty certain we produce eggs over here. Yeah, I, th- I think so. So what's the story? Yeah. What are we waiting for them to come from New South Wales? I mean, there's something fundamentally wrong. I know there's farms everywhere around yes. here. And what I was going to um, lead on uh, from saying is that um, I, th- I think particularly Perth, um, Western Australia, is often used as a testing ground. Yeah. And I think that um, considering I've just heard that um, your mum can go shopping and buy whatever she wants over in New South Wales, yeah. meanwhile we can't buy eggs when we yeah. have uh, uh, factory farming here. Yeah. Um, oh, and I mean, I mean, we don't even process fuel over here. So I just got some fuel today. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was two dollars thirty four. Nice, something just off the Richter scale. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I mean, I tend to just go put a lot less in. I just put in what I need and wait for the prices to go Mm -hmm. up. You know, you know. Sorry, down, down, down. down. Uh, So yeah, um, we're screwed. We're screwed if we do, and we're screwed if we don't, people. Mm So the only way to get around this is by starting to form community groups right. mm-hmm. and really take that seriously. And this is a great segue for me 
to talk about this Friday night's live show mm-hmm. uh, for the audience. We have a man um, coming on who is an absolute expert in self-organising within community mm-hmm. and the way he does that and the sort of thing that he does. Um, he's a fascinating guy, so I hope everyone can join us for that. That's kicking off at 8.30 in the evening this Friday. Another question for the audience, um, I'm certainly going to be talking about this on the live show that Robin and I are actually going to be doing together. Mm-hmm. Um, is 8.30 on a Friday night the wrong time? I personally am starting to think that I like a Friday night but it's too late um, because I'm a bit of a granddad. And I like to get home and get to bed with it by within a reasonable hour. Um, <laughs> even when I was younger, I was a granddad. It's just like, uh, sorry, I can't help it. Um, so yeah, getting home at uh, what I got home at half past twelve last Friday night. It's a bit late for you. Isn't it was it? a little bit you late. Should everyone. have already had your slippers on. <laughs> it was a little bit late. It was. It was. Um, well, I anyway. can say um, having a rambunctious little boy running around that, um, you know, considering uh, that, you know, there's dinner and bedtimes and all those sorts of things to do, yeah. um, even 8, 8.30 is a little bit... Early. No, late. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. generally, I'm not, I'm not saying... I'm thinking 7.30 is a good time to kick it off. Um, Belinda, you haven't listened to one of our live shows, but you're no. you're you're new to the Eight News yes, show. Yes. Well, lovely to have you on board. Thank I ex- you. I expect you to follow the show. Oh well, you <laughs> will now that you're on it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes. But what do you think if you were um, going to tune into a community um, broadcast where all the people from the freedom movement in Western Australia are? joining in and um, we have leaders from within the movement telling you know joining us on the show and talking about the sorts of things that they're doing it's a great it's a great concept I, I feel really good about that um, but I, I think I think 8 30 till what it works out at like 10 o'clock or a bit after 10 10 30 yeah. by the time we finish it's roughly two hours I'm really aiming at having it wrapped up by no later than an hour 45 mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I think that's still a little bit too late and I'd rather people join us and join us for the duration of that time rather than go, oh, God, I'm mm-hmm. falling asleep. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Please, everyone, comments below. Let us know what you think about that. So, um, let's wrap this up. So, Belinda, it brings us to today. And right now, you're just, um, your husband's at work in the Northern mm-hmm. Territory. Um, things are getting back to some sort of normality for you, but you still haven't had your operation and you're just still waiting to find out about that and just Mm. looking forward to the day that you can go in and be assaulted by the hospital staff. Mm. Yeah, not looking forward to it at all. Yeah. Mm. So um, for everyone, if you've followed any of our Jab Injured series and you listened to Ben's story just recently, um, they got to the hospital... Uh, went through a whole lot of drama in the tents outside of the hospital with the you know the the fully masked face masked up you know you know face shield face mask uh, you know glasses earplugs mm-hmm. I'm the getting electric a bit thermometer in your ear yeah the whole lot and then they hold you down on a on a bed or whatever it is and jam this thing up your nose and, like, hurt you mm-hmm. uh, for this PCR test that was never, ever designed to be a diagnostic tool. That's right. Um, and then you get into the hospital and you get into triage and then they go, 
okay, we're going to admit you to a ward. And so then, you know, even if it's within two hours, you get upstairs into the ward and you get assaulted again. Again, because you've magically... Again, because within two hours you could have caught it. You yeah. could have caught COVID. could have, yeah. It's one of these, you know, really rampant little bugs that isn't really ever going to hurt you, but it's sure going to spread quickly, mm-hmm. which is why they, why the World um, Health Organization, the WHO, changed their definition of, of, of pandemic, the word pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, around... 2015, I believe. I was going around saying it was around 2017, but Judy Wileyman, Dr. Judy Wileyman has corrected me on that one. Mm-hmm. So um, basically the, this whole thing's an assault. It's just that we're, we're only just starting to realise the physical side of the assault. So you're going oh, – you, you're still – Belinda, you're still locked in to go in there or has anything changed? No, I am still going, Twenty six. Of this month, yes. July, sorry, yes. next month, right? Um, I have to. Yeah, of course you do. There's no backing out. And Absolutely. Six weeks later, I have to have the second one done. Yeah, that's it, and and that's the point we're trying to make. This is a very very um, necessary operation. It's not cosmetic or any yes. of these other things. It's mm. important that you do it, but you're just going to have to just. Grit your teeth yes, and go through this absolutely. horrible, horrible process. Well, I know when we were speaking on the phone yesterday, um, one of your concerns and one of my concerns and many, many people uh, that I know of um, is that um, when you are sedated for this operation, that perhaps they might vaccinate mm. you without... It has, it has been a concern, which is why I've stated on the admission forms that under no circumstances do I give permission for any vaccines while I'm in hospital. Mm-hmm. Okay, now have you gotten some legal advice, even if it's just a general discussion with a lawyer? I, no, but I did get advice from a lady who has gone through the same thing. She was also going in for surgery and she was given some legal advice. Right. So she's, she was the lady who showed me what to write on the admission form. Ah. And then I made the decision myself to say no to any form of a blood transfusion. Yeah, of course you have to. And You um, don't know what that blood yeah. sample got in it now. Mm-hmm. And they have so. other products these days that they can use that are more natural, some plant-based things. Mm-hmm. Um, I would rather take my chances yeah. if, if something happened. Mm-hmm. The nurse did contact me and say that they have a form of cycling, of, I don't know the, the medical term, the blood you lo- use, lose during surgery, mm-hmm. they can actually recycle it. Okay. Instead of, for instance, letting it be dabbed so, up with a rag or yep. dripped on yeah, the floor. Yeah, yeah. There's a, a new yes. method or new device that they have that enables that to be recaptured, mm. kept I don't know, kept warm, if that's the right word for it, um, but then being able to use, yes. be used back so into your body. Yep, that's great. what they've informed me they will do. Okay. Um, it's not easy for them, mm-hmm. okay. but you that's what they'll do. You mentioned um, also that your husband had offered to donate blood to give to you in yes. the case that you would need yes. transfusion. And what did the hospital say about that? Well... I do feel that if he really pushed it, that he could probably get it done. Mm-hmm. But they basically said it wouldn't be necessary. Right. Um, but in my case, 
I'm saying I'd rather have his blood waiting in case I need it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do not want vaccinated blood. Mm-hmm. Yes. So this is another thing we're going to have to discuss in two weeks' time when we go back for this um, pre-operation mm-hmm. meeting. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So I was phoned and told that I didn't need to write on the admission forms that I didn't want a vaccine because they don't administer them there. Mm. Um, Can't trust them though. So I, I wrote it anyway. Yeah, uh, you need to make sure that all of your um, research has been done well ahead of uh, going into a situation like that because you cannot trust them. You cannot trust the doctors anymore. Mm-hmm. They um, have destroyed their Hippocratic Oath. Whether that's used in medicine these days or not, it's still a thing. They have clearly demonstrated they do not have critical thinking anymore. Now, if you're a doctor who's really finding this offensive and you're one of the ones that's done the right thing by people, then my hat is off to you. I couldn't give you more more than enough praise. However, you, I'm sorry to say, will be one of the vast majority uh, minority. Mm-hmm. Because the vast number of doctors and nurses have utterly betrayed them, not only themselves but the people that they are there to, to look after. And shame on you. So you need to take all precautions necessary if you do need to go into one of these, like, these places because, after all, it's a very real thing. We need, we need doctors. We need police. We need all these things. We know that. Mm-hmm. But we also need to be able to trust them. They were up on this massively high pedestal for all of us, for all of our lives. And then in one foul swoop, they've decimated Mm -hmm. that trust that the public had in them. And um, that's on you, you guys. I'm sorry, but that's what's happened. We no longer trust you. No. I certainly don't trust GPs. Oh, no. Mm -mm. Oh, God, no. no. Oh, God, no. Anyway, so it sounds like we're all on the same boat there. Blinda, is there anything else you'd like to depart for the audience before we wrap up? Is there something we haven't talked about, something that's really important to you? Um, Yes, I think the absolute destruction of families, of relationships, of everything that they've done to us has, has caused so much heartbreak and yeah, that's right. depression and segregation. Um, in our own family, I won't go into any details, but mm-hmm. obviously there's been tension. Yeah, because you, your daughters, discussions. your daughters have been yes, facts. correct. Mm. And the biggest concern I have, which is something I encourage everybody to get on board with, is the fact that they're wanting to vaccinate all the young children. Uh, America's yeah. done it now from six months up. When is Australia? They're going to do it. Well, they're already doing it. Um, mm. Robin, look, let's just quickly just throw it out there. Mm. You've got a YouTube channel called Courage is the Cure. That's right. Everyone, please go subscribe to Robin. And you'll, you've just started that. You're going to expand out a little bit onto other platforms. But mm. this is a subject that's very close to your heart. And I know that you've done a lot of work on that. Mm-hmm. Do you want to just say a few words about um, that? Well, my... Just I speak am- into your mic, my dear. I did it again. Oh, no. Um, yeah, I um, have spent some time at the front of pop-up 
children's jab clinics um, in various locations. and On your own? On my own, yes, um, and in particular primary schools. Um, it's one thing to have uh, pop-up jab clinics, you know, at the zoo or at King's Park. Or, Where you get you know, a free face paint or free entry to the free zoo. Free entry, Disgraceful. Yep. Something like that. Um, but it's quite another thing to um, be having... Uh, pop-up clinics in primary schools and the health department paying nurses to drive up to tiny little schools that are that are 60 70 kilometers away from uh, Royal Perth Hospital because that's where those nurses came from which I spoke to the other day the video is on my channel if you mm-hmm. want to go and look at it courage is a cure everybody secure but um, yes that that is um, the main motivation behind starting my channel is because that um, our children are our future and if we don't do something mm-hmm. now, our children are going mm. to live in a world which I don't care to imagine. Yeah, mm. that's right. Um, and so um, I'm not only um, doing what I'm doing for my child but all of the children because they deserve much better than what is currently that's right. in front of them. That's right. And we've got Belinda here. Now, Belinda, um, you, you know, coming from the region of the world that you come from, is it hard for you to imagine like this sort of road warrior scenario where society's really just completely broken down and everyone's fending for themselves? Because that's what I see. When we talk about all of this, we, we have the, the World Economic Forum telling us that we're going to have nothing and be happy Mm. and that essentially everything we value in society and within ourselves as humanity is going to be um, removed to make way for the new the great reset Mm. Um, it's not too hard to imagine that things are going to break down significantly from where they are right now would you agree with that oh absolutely 100 percent. we've come from a country that that is what is like there yeah. And it didn't take long. It, yeah. And, and look, for the audience, this is why we're doing what we're doing on this podcast, is that if we don't self-organise within our own communities mm-hmm. real quick, mm-hmm. we're going to be in a lot of trouble. People, this isn't coming. This is here now. We're That's only right. just mm-hmm. really seeing the face of it. Um, and I know that uh, over the next few weeks I've got over 30 interviews to do with people who have been injured by the jab. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the end of that period, we're going to have a real seriously um, developed body of content or should I say body of evidence. Exactly. And I think if you're following along with us and, and keeping up with the shows, you're going to really become highly aware of where we truly are at mm-hmm. uh, because things are breaking down real fast, everybody. And I think, too, it, it's not just about forming those communities and growing your food and stockpiling. Yeah, it. and looking after each other. It's also the medical system. Yep. The hospitals are going to be overrun with people that they are suffering. They already are. They are, They yes. already are, yeah. They're going to deteriorate. They, they love to tell us in the press that it's because of the unvaxxed and mm. all this, but, but it's actually the vaxxed that are yes. just smashing the hospitals. They, they're the sick and they're getting sicker. Mm. And us that haven't done it, we're healthy. And we're fine. Yeah. But they're going to try and pin it on us as well. So, yeah, please continue. So, I think it's very important to establish some sort of a medical care system in some way, even yeah. if it's with these nurses. And doctors, doctors who have been deregistered. Yes. I mean, mm-hmm. I'll happily go see one of you guys. And actually, you know, 
really interesting point. Um, someone brought up the other day. I was when I was in Australia on Saturday. Somebody's um, started using some uh, mobile phone app, mm-hmm. and but where you can I'm not exactly sure how it is, but I think you can actually create your own kind of layer in the map. And somebody's built this thing that shows you where all the fruit trees are in a suburb. Yes, I heard that was Deb talking about that. Really yes, interesting. Yes. Well, I propose mm-hmm. that, that that concept goes yep. farther, much farther, and we start getting um, – we start finding out or putting lists together of who you can go see to find out where these doctors and nurses are. Yeah. Because they're the ones that I want to see. Yes, mm. Yes. Um, they're the ones that I've got faith and trust in. That's right. Not you, Charles Gardner Hospital, you disgusting creeps, and the rest of you out there, but I've got a real beef about Sir Charlie Gardner Hospital because I've had first-hand experience with the little Nazis that run that hospital. Mm. It's yes. really, really shocking. It really is. And, I, and, and, and for that lady who had hit the microphone, my microphone in her face that night, mm-hmm. hello, how are you? Mm-hmm. You little creature, you demon creature, you. So, everyone, that brings us to the end of this podcast. Um, Again, please make a comment, Um, even anything that I've said. Please tell me where I went wrong like Robin does all the time. Um, Please tell me how much you like the show. If you really did like the show, please um, download the Podbean app and follow us via the app because – you can join in on our live streams, which we've, we've done 25, uh, no, 27 hours of live streaming in the last six weeks. So we're doing a lot of that. And if you do install the uh, Podbean <coughs> app, you will be, your phone will magically notify you as soon as uh, the 8 News show um, has a new. Uh, oh, and how important is that? Well, it that's, is. That's, it is that's so important. Absolutely. Look, look, we're doing a really good job here, even if I do say so myself. <laughs> look, look, whether the show is really, really professionally produced or not, the point is that the content that we're covering, I feel very mm-hmm. passionately about. Mm-hmm. I absolutely know that this is the right thing to do. And so, um, please, everybody, um, show us your support. Uh, download the app, install uh, sorry, install the app, follow us in the app, make comments when we do our live streams. Please like and favourite or favourite, whatever you want to call it, the show. If you so feel inclined, I'd really like – the Podbean thing has these things called rewards. Yes. And it's like uh, you, where you kind of – you, you spend 10 bucks and you can sort of give us 2 bucks 50 and like 250 pod points or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Look, honestly – the money side of it I'd really appreciate, but actually for the stage of the show where we're at, to get it up that that, that next uh, rung so that possibly we can mm-hmm. get some sponsorship and stuff like that, mm-hmm. we need to be getting a certain number of these bloody pod points per month. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me what it's all about, but even if you just contribute $1, <laughs> yep. I'd really appreciate it. Um, it's just not just the money, it's about getting the recognition for the podcast as well. Which, by the way, we were just featured in Dr. Judy Wileyman's newsletter that went out yes. last night, I believe. Um, I'm so excited about that. Um, uh, finally, um, if you have a story to tell, please reach out to me via comments in the um, Podbean app. Again, we're back to the Podbean app. Or you can follow me on my 
um, my video channels. I, I, I'm, I'm still not fully set up with this whole podcasting, but uh, for the, any of you who have listened to me for long enough, you'll know that I have um, the Bellman Report on YouTube and Rumble, and that's where I put my video content. Uh, so please go over and follow me there. And I've lost the point that I was going to make. Um, how people can contact you. Thank you very much, Robin. Mm-hmm. So you'll be able to find the Twitter and Instagram accounts for The Bellman Report. That's Bellman as in B-E-L-L-M-A-N, meaning the town crier. Mm-hmm. Wasn't my choice of name, but I'm, I'm into it now. Yep. I didn't like it for a while, but anyway, we're there. Um, so please reach out to me via Instagram or Twitter on The Bellman Report and DM me. For everyone that knows what that means, and for those who don't, it means direct message. I'd love to hear from you. I'm inundated with stories to cover at the moment, but regardless of that, I want to hear from you. So please let reach out to me. Once again, I love your comments. Keep them coming. Correct me where I'm wrong like Robin does. Thank you so much, Robin. Robin, thank you so much as well for being the co-host on today's show. My pleasure. Thank you for having me and thank you for um, Belinda, Belinda for having us in your home. Yes, Belinda. Thank you so thank much you for, for being with me. us. Yeah. Thank you. Um, of course, Robin and I have got more of these um, stories coming your way, so yes. please look out for that. And until then, uh, we've got lots more vaccine uh, stories coming out. We just did one from – one just went live from uh, that was recorded on Saturday, just gone, with three nurses mm. who tell – who give us their perspective. Yes, that's very interesting to listen to. There's some good stuff there, yes, isn't there? absolutely. Um, so, everyone, that's the sort of stuff we're trying to do. Please follow us. Please like, share and subscribe. My name's Andrew Hughes. This is The Eight News Show. Thank you so much for being with us today. Don't forget to go and subscribe to Robin's account, Courage is the Cure, that's on it. YouTube. Mm-hmm. Follow her. And until the next time, thank you so much. We're going to close the show now with a song from my very dear friend, Kelly Newton Wordsworth. This is Hold the Line. Uh, Enjoy. Yeah.